0: Boy, well, it's going to be back uh, after a long trip. I discovered this week that it is a long way to uh, Iowa. I mean, a long way uh, to Iowa. As we were uh, moving Michael into the dorm uh, last Sunday, I uh, noticed there are lots of banners up saying, Welcome, Class of 2014. And it just hadn't struck me what his graduation year Uh, would be. And so this week then I I, uh, happened across an email that uh, was sent my way and it was about the mindset of the class of 2014. And so that caught my attention and uh, I thought you might be interested in some of these things that are true about those students heading off to college that will graduate in 2014. Few in the class know how to write in cursive. Email is just too slow for them and they seldom ever use snail mail. a vente half-calf vanilla latte has become street corner lingo to them. I, I barely even know what that is personally. but uh, uh, They have never twisted the coiled handset wire aimlessly around their wrist while they were talking on the phone. Most of them didn't even ever know there was a phone between the receiver and the actual phone. Uh, unless they uh, found one in their grandparents' closet, they have never seen a carousel of Kodachrome slides. And to them, Czechoslovakia never existed. Generations change quickly. And the lessons of history are quickly forgotten if they are not passed on from one generation to the next. I wouldn't know anything about the details of Pearl Harbor if it hadn't been for someone in school teaching me those details. My boys would know nothing about a man walking on the moon unless someone had taken time to teach them. Their children will know nothing about 9-11 unless someone teaches them. Generations change and history is quickly forgotten. And you know what, parents? It is true for spiritual lessons as well. If they are not taught and passed on, they are quickly forgotten. In fact, the Bible says this in the book of Judges chapter 2. It says, eventually that entire generation died and was buried. Then another generation grew up that didn't know anything of God or the work that He had done for Israel. We only know what we are taught by someone else or what we experience for ourselves. heard about a family that moved to a new neighborhood, hadn't lived there very long at all, when one morning the little elementary daughter missed her school bus. And so dad was really the only one that could take her to school, but because everything was so new, he had never actually been to her school, and so he was dependent on his six-year-old to give him directions. They got in the car, backed out of the driveway, and she said, go this way. They started down the block, but they went a long way before finally she said, here, daddy, turn here. And they went a long way down that block, and it took them nearly 20 minutes to get to school around in this big circle. And when they finally got there, the dad realized it wasn't far at all, and he said, honey, why did you take me this direction? She said, that's how the school bus goes. That's the only way I knew. Unless someone teaches us, we're not likely just to know things. And it's true when it comes to spiritual issues too. Our children probably, no actually our children certainly, have the same struggle of not knowing what happened in the past unless we take time to teach them. Now fortunately, as we read through the book of Proverbs, Solomon helps us, he values this idea of passing on wisdom and truth to our children. He does it to his own son. And this month as we have been uh, pursuing wisdom from the book of Proverbs, I want to look at some more wisdom today. We've said all along that wisdom is the, the art of gaining skill in godly living. And certainly we want our children, don't we parents? to have that skill to know how to live like God wants them to. So I'm going to look at Proverbs chapter 3. I hope, again, that you brought your Bibles, and so why don't you open those up. If you've been with us all month and following along, you've probably got Proverbs marked. Um, If not, find your way to the book of Proverbs. We're going to be in uh, chapter 3. By the way, I hope you're continuing to read along with us a proverb every day through the month of August. Today is uh, August 22nd. And hopefully sometime today you'll find a few minutes to sit down and read uh, Proverbs 22. I can tell you from my reading this morning, it is full of really challenging stuff. Well, I want to look at Proverbs 3 where Solomon sits down with his son and passes on some spiritual wisdom. And parents, I think these are spiritual truths that we ought to pass on to our children. And here's the reality for all of us, everybody in the room. These are spiritual truths that we can apply to all of our lives today. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1, he starts off this way. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Solomon says, I want to pass on to you some important truths of the heart, that son, that will help you to have a good life. And then he starts in with his first wise saying. In verse 3 he says, let love and faithfulness never leave you, Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Solomon first says to his son, Don't lose your grip on love and loyalty. Don't lose your grip on love and loyalty. We live in a culture that teaches our children that The way to have a good name, the way to make a name for yourself is to be successful or to be a a star athlete or to get really good grades or to accumulate a lot of stuff. But Solomon says the way to have a good name, the way to make a name for yourself in the eyes of God and in the eyes of people around you is to love other people. Our culture celebrates individualism, doesn't it? But you know what? That's nothing new. In fact, this celebration of individualism really goes all the way back in history to the Garden of Eden when Satan was trying to convince Adam and Eve to disregard God's words and to simply look out for number one. And this same battle over over loving ourselves too much has been going on ever since that point in history we've been struggling with. The Bible calls it words like selfishness, pride, like Dan talked about last week. And the Bible also calls it sin. And you know what, parents? Our children are still fighting this battle today. And we have to model for them the importance of loving others, of being loyal to their friends, of putting the interest of others ahead of Of their own interest. You know, what? it is such a good thing for me, parents, when I see other parents who are modeling this for their kids. I I see it uh, almost every month when we uh, do our angel food distribution. Almost every month there are whole families that show up, mom, dad, and the kids. And what those parents are doing when they bring their kids along to pass out that food is they are modeling for them the value of putting the interests and needs of other people first. They are helping them to see how important it is to hold on to love and loyalty. Parents, if we don't model this for our kids, they are going to lose this battle. Because unless they see us have a firm grip on love and loyalty ourselves, they are not likely to do it. They're depending on seeing it in us. And so I don't think this morning... That I probably need to give you a long list of how to do this. You you probably know how to do it. Jesus said it this way when He was speaking one day. He said, a new command I give you. Love one another. Now, how are we supposed to love one another? He makes it really clear, but it's a deep challenge. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are My disciples or that you are My followers if you Love one another. Parents, you know what? It's it's really just about the simple modeling of this every day in our lives. It, It comes down to the simple acts of, you know, how do I treat other people in traffic? How do I talk about my children's teachers? How do I treat or talk about our neighbors? How do I treat my spouse? just about modeling every day for them, that others come first. Love and loyalty is what really gives you a name before people and before God. Well, so he goes on in verse uh, 5 and gives us another wise saying that we ought to pass on to our children. He says, trust in the Lord with all your hearts and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight on our uh, way back from Iowa, we uh, stayed in a friend's cabin in Tennessee. Um, we were supposed to stay a couple of nights. We only stayed one night. That's a whole other story, but um, maybe I'll tell that one someday. But while we were there the one night, um, I, I got a uh, call on my cell phone, but the reception in the cabin was terrible. And uh, the call was important to me, so I uh, knew that if I drove up the road a mile or two. There had been a place as we were driving in that I got good reception. And so I got into the van and backed out of the driveway. But as I started to drive away, I realized it is really dark here. I mean, there are no street lights. for miles, it seemed like. It, it was dark. And so it was difficult to find these little roads that we had driven in on. And I finally maneuvered my way out and, you know, connected on the cell phone, had the conversation. And as I started back, I thought, I don't know for sure, That I'll be able to get back in this darkness. I I feel that way some days in life. You know, like I am trying to maneuver my way through unfamiliar territory. I'm not sure what's just around the next turn or or when that next turn might come. And maybe you have felt that way too. Where you're not sure about what's next. Solomon says in this passage that the way to make our paths straight, the way to remove the obstacles, the way to find where we're going through unfamiliar territory, the way to arrive safely at our destination, is to trust God more than we trust ourselves. To trust God more than we trust ourselves. If we want our children to find their way through life, If we want the path to be straight for our children, then we've got to model and teach them how to trust God more than they trust themselves. Now, that's not easy, is it? It's a struggle for us at times to put all that in perspective. Solomon says that trust is a choice. I think he indicates that it's an intentional act of the will. It's not some warm, fuzzy feeling that one day we have it and the next day we have misplaced it. It's repeatedly choosing that I'm going to trust God more than I trust myself. He seems to indicate that it begins with an understanding of love. It begins with a a growing understanding of the depth of God's love for us and our love for Him. And as we love Him and we understand how much He loves us, we can trust Him. Then indicates that beyond loving, it is also a matter of leaning in to God. Let me ask you, where do you lean? I mean, when the the pressure's on and you need answers or solutions or directions, do you lean on yourself or do you lean into God? I'll tell you from my own experience, I know. It's pretty easy to lean on God when everything's going your way. Not so much so when the pressure's on. I don't know, well, I do know why. I don't like it. When God makes me deal with issues that I'm going to talk about that very week, but this has been one of those weeks. I'll just be really honest with you and tell you that this has been a really, really difficult week for me. And the pressure's on. And I'm having to choose, even still today, am I leaning on myself or am I going to really lean into God? Last night, even as I was uh, spending the time I spend every Saturday night trying to kind of memorize through my message and put my mind map together of how it goes, I got to this very part of this message and I got a text message. And when I read that text message, the pressure was on again. And it was almost as if God was saying to me, Jeff, what's it going to be? You're going to sit up there and talk about this tomorrow. What's it going to be in your life? you Are going to lean on yourself? Or are you going to really lean into me? And I'll just be honest and say, I'm trying. I want to lean into God. But probably like you, I sometimes keep falling back the other way of, but God, I think I have an answer. And I think God keeps saying, Jeff, just lean into me. Parents, we need to model this for our kids. You know, and again, it comes down to just modeling it in everyday life. What, what do your kids see when the pressure's on in your life? Do they see you lean into yourself and try to answer it all your way, or do they see you really lean into God? You know, I, I've talked to some of our students around here, and you know what? You know what, parents, as they approach tomorrow, the pressure's on in their lives. What are you going to model for them in terms of how do you help them deal with the pressure of what they anticipate or what they fear about tomorrow? Have you spent some time praying for them, putting your hands on them and praying over them, helping them to lean in to God? Well, Solomon goes on in verse 7. He offers another wise saying we've got to pass on to our kids. He says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Don't be a wise guy, Solomon says. Or another way we might say it is, don't be afraid enough of God that sin frightens you. Be afraid enough of God that sin frightens you. Now, you know what? God, I want to be clear. God's love for us is unconditional. And His forgiveness for us is incredible. But, We also need to recognize that the Bible teaches that God hates sin. And He wants us to keep it out of our lives. You know, as my uh, boys were growing up, I I wanted them to know that I love them unconditionally, but I also wanted them to know that there were consequences for their actions and I wanted them to fear the consequences enough that they would choose not to do wrong. And parents, as we teach our children about God we need to help them have a healthy respect, a healthy fear that is born out of their love for God, but helps them to understand that there are consequences to our actions and God wants us to choose to obey. You know what this comes down to sometimes, parents? It comes down to us creating boundaries at home and making sure that our children understand that if they step outside of those boundaries, there are consequences that are enforced. Because if we don't teach our children to obey us as parents, it is doubtful that they will learn to obey God. One more wise saying. He says this in verse 9, and you might find it interesting that he includes this. He says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. He says to his son, Give to God first. Now, if I ask you to make a list of all the important kinds of things that a parent ought to teach their children, I wonder how many of you would include this in your list. But Solomon does. Because I think Solomon understood that this was a priority of life that needed to be in place early on. And that we as parents needed to model it for our kids. You know what, a lot of parents that I see in action that I know, they teach their children maybe about sort of tipping God. You know, like here's a quarter to throw in the offering plate. Because as parents, they haven't made this an important issue in life. They haven't made their finances an important issue with God. Their kind of view on everything is, well, we'll take care of all of our other financial responsibilities first, and then if we have any left over, we'll sort of give that to God as as a little bit of a tip. But Solomon indicates that God can't or doesn't bless that kind of life. If we want our children to experience the kind of blessings that he describes there in verse 10, these overflowing, abundant blessings of God in their lives, then we have to model and show them how to put God first in their finances to learn to give to God generously. And I think the Bible teaches that begins with the giving of a tithe, 10% of our income. Uh, not my idea. For the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3. It says this, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. That's God speaking to people. But you ask, How do we rob you? They wanted to know. God, we don't understand. How do we rob you? Here's God's answer. In tithes and offerings, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. You see that kind of abundant blessing that God wants to pour out? And that blessing is not always financial. But just all kinds of abundant blessings that God wants to pour into our lives. I, I want my children to experience that in life. But Solomon indicates, and so does the rest of the Bible, that unless they put God first in their finances and they learn to give generously to God, they're not going to experience that kind of blessing. And so I've got to model it for them. I've got to do it. They've got to see me doing it before they're likely to learn it themselves. You know, when it comes to my boys, I'm not really all that concerned. (laughs) that They grow up knowing all the details about Pearl Harbor, or A Man on the Moon. But I am very concerned that they continue to grow up knowing these kinds of important spiritual truths because these will impact their lives forever. Sir Nicholas Winton was a stockbroker in 1938 as Hitler was leading the Nazis into Poland. He decided because of a heartfelt passion to quit his job and to take his money, which he had quite a bit of it accumulated, but to take the money he had accumulated and to invest it in chartering trains and in raising resources to try to rescue Jewish children out of Poland and Czechoslovakia. He was able to rescue 699 children. One of those children that was rescued later said, It wasn't just about rescuing children. He saved a generation. Parents, we have been given the incredible privilege of investing in the next generation. And you know what? They need us. They need us to show them the way to spiritual truth. God, thanks for the privilege of being a dad. God, I I hope that I've done the right things to invest spiritually in my boys. And the Father, that in the days of influence that remain, You'll allow me the privilege to continue to do that. And I pray the same thing for every parent in this room. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'll find myself wanting to please the crowd. I'll find myself wanting to please the crowd. I'll need you to remind me that I should obey God. That I should obey God. I'll act like I don't have any problems. I'll need you to show me how to share my struggles with others. I'll want to have a lot of money so I can buy what I want. I'll need you to teach me that my things belong to God. That my things belong to God. I'll struggle with my looks and appearance. I'll need you to remind me that God wonderfully made me. I'll tend to think about myself before others. I'll need you to teach me that the last will become first. The last will become first. The last will become first. I'll think I'm a lot smarter than I actually am. I'll think I'm a lot smarter than I actually am. I'll need you to show me how to learn from God's wisdom. I'll want to avoid hard conversations. I'll want to avoid hard conversations. I'll need you to show me how to speak the truth in love. love. I'll look for happiness in many different places. I'll need you to show me that joy is found in following Christ. I'll find myself stuck in bad habits. I need you to show me the way out. I'll need you to show me the way out. I'll need, I'll need you. I'll need you. I'll need you. I'll need you to point me toward Christ when no one else will. To point me toward Christ when no one else will. And your kids would say the same thing. They need you. To point them to Jesus. I'm glad that you've been here together, and we've been able to worship together today. We've been able to continue to pursue some wisdom for our lives from the book of Proverbs, and I hope you'll continue to read this week through that book. Parents, I hope that you'll think about some of these things that we've talked about today, and you'll see what steps you could take to make sure that your children are getting this kind of wisdom and truth that we need to point them to. Hey, I hope you have a great week as the school gets started. I hope it's a great uh, beginning, and we'll look forward to uh, seeing you back here next week at Crosspoint. Have a great week, and we'll see you later.